Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, hey, so as Glenn said, um, my name is Mitch um, and my wife Larissa and I are the youth pastors here and, and the creative pastors and we love it. Um, we have a two-year-old Oakley. What's up, bro? How you doing? Oakley, you good? He's, he's busy. You are? Cool. Um, and um, baby Kanye is due June 2020. So um, it's going to be awesome. Having two, we've got two boys, um, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and a boy, and a boy cat. So, um, Larissa's really getting outnumbered. So, so over the last couple of weeks, um, who's who's been here the last two Sundays? More hands should be up right now. Come on. <laughs> um, but Pastor Jared has been um, taking us through this. He t- took us through a two-week series on. Um, that on how to please a pleased God. And um, it was such a great series to kick off our year with because so often we focus at the start of the new year on, man, what can I do to make this year better for me? But actually to focus on, man, what could I do to please God this year? What could I actually do that would give God pleasure this year? It was such a um, great way to start. And um, last week he, he told us that in, in the New Testament there is um, 1,050 commands of different things that we could do that could please God. Um, and... He didn't list all of them, otherwise we would have just finished the 10 a.m. service about an hour ago. But the very first one he mentioned was um, be reconciled with one another. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to preach a message today, and if you're taking notes, this this will be one to take notes to, because I'm going to say a lot of things. So you can take out your phone and take notes if you're a teenager, or if you're a real Christian and you brought a notebook with you to church, you can take that out. Yeah, see, there's one real Christian in the room. But if you, if you are taking notes today, my message is called Reconciling Homes, Restoring Cities. Reconciling Homes, Restoring Cities. And I think those two words, um, I'm probably going to use them interchangeably today. 50% intentional, 50% because they both start with R, and if I'm preaching, I might just mix it up. But here's the thing. Restoration is, de- is defined as the act of returning something to its former owner, place, or condition. And reconciliation is, actually, is, the, is the restoration of relationships. And so, as far as I'm concerned for my message today, these are gonna be interchangeable. Um, cool beans. We're gonna read some scripture today, um, just, to, just to kick off, make this all legal and um, official. So, first, um, <laughs> First, first passage of scripture is going to be in 2 Corinthians, and our second passage is in Malachi. So um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 19 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed us, hear this, he committed us to the message of reconciliation. In Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, it says this, in the last days, and that doesn't, that's not one specific day, it's not the last day, that's something else, but the last days is from the, the time of, Jesus through to now. In the last days, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now, if you knew what Elijah did in the Old Testament, you'd be a little bit worried. 
But it says this, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to fathers. My hope is that this message is, is there's some teaching in here and that you come away and you learn something. But this, there's also a real prophetic element to what I'm saying today. I, I, I really seriously believe that 2020 is the year of reconciliation and restoration. I, I think for this church, there are going to be relationships that have been, that, that, that are so far gone, you're like, there's no way that's going to be restored, that are going to get restored this year. I believe, and I'm prophesying now that there will be um, family members that have got, that have gone away that will come home. Um, that that there will be people who who you you thought you'd never hear from again that you're going to hear from. But not only that, not only is God reconciling homes, but I, I believe He's restoring cities this year. This year is a year of recon, uh, of restoration for Rangiora, for Christchurch, for our nation. I'm going to pray, and then um, let's get into this. So why don't you um, grab the hand of the person next to you. Give them a wee squeeze. If you'd like them to take you out for lunch afterwards, just give the, give, give the hand a wee squeeze. First person to squeeze is paying. Huh. All right, I'm going to pray. Stop laughing, all right? Come on. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you would help me um, heaps, please. Um, God, I thank you that you would help um, everybody else to um, be vocal, respond, and, um, and to take on everything that I say, um, unless it's bad. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so you just heard then that the Holy Spirit's job today is to help you respond to me. So, um, this has been cheeky. My first point today is, uh, you have, have to be, no, I'm say it. My first point today is really simple. It's straight from that scripture. That my first point today, write this down. We have a message of reconciliation. We have a message of reconciliation. That is the essence of the gospel, that God is reconciling the world to himself. We have a message of reconciliation, and that is good news because that is a great message. We actually have a winning message going into 2020. You, you might look around at, at the state of some of the areas in our culture and look at all the crazy things that are happening, but I want to tell you, we have the winning message. We have a message of reconciliation. We have a message of a God who, who loves his kids unconditionally and is reconciling the world to himself. And we have the message of reconciliation to family. Those are two great messages. And, and I want you to walk into 2020 with, um, with faith and expectation that actually remind yourself, man, that we've got the winning message. But I also want to challenge you and say that you have the message of reconciliation. And do you think people are seeing it? I wonder if you picked up the book of your life right now and if people would read reconciliation. I wonder if someone went to your Instagram account, your Facebook page, and if they would read reconciliation. Or would they see you highlighting a specific sin ripping on a specific type of pol political view, bagging on specific leaders in our nation. I'm not wanting to point anyone out or anything, but I wonder if people would read the message of reconciliation that actually we're supposed to carry. I think sometimes as Christians, it can be so easy to, to major on the minors 
and some of the things that we major on actually God does care about and he does have a point of view but let's make 2020 the year where we focus on the majors and I, I, I actually I know that reconciliation is a major in the kingdom of God because we read this in, in Matthew chapter 5 um, verse 23 and 24 it says this therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift point number two today write this down reconciliation is greater than devotion reconciliation is greater than devotion don't get me wrong god loves your devotion he loves when you take um time not school not just sporadically but he loves when you you, you take uh, you, you go man i'm going to commit to to reading my bible every morning he loves when, when you actually set discipline in your life um and, and we, when you're devoted to him but jesus explicitly explains this this point where he, he's saying hey there's this like like gives an exact example of a man who or, or woman it doesn't you know who came to give god a gift to give god their devotion and he and he remembered that he had an issue with a brother or sister with, with someone and, and, and he says hey look going and reconciling that that's the first priority I remember a, there was a situation a few years ago. It was, I think, I've been on staff maybe four years at church, and it was, I think it was in my first year being um, on staff here, and I, um, there was somebody that was um, in one of the teams that I was um, helping to run, and they, for um, a reason totally unrelated to church, I think it was work or study or something like that, they, they took a break for a few months, and um, that was cool, and, you know, no worries there. And then I remember meeting with them after the, the, the couple of months off and uh, I, I was meeting to be like, all right, cool, you ready to get back into what was going on? And I brought the conversation up and they said, hey, to be honest, Mitch, um, I'm, I'm actually a little bit hurt at the moment. And I, I, it took me back. I was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? And, um, and they're like, well, you used to talk to me all the time. You used to text me throughout the week asking how I was doing. You, 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 we used to text back and forth. You'd call me every now and then. We'd, we'd um, catch up and, and discuss what was going on. But over the last couple of months, like, like I haven't heard from you at all. Um, you haven't texted me. You haven't texted me. Like nothing's happened. And um, and I was like pretty taken back. And I was like, wow, I really nailed that one. Um, and it, like it's all good. We, we you know made up and I apologized and um and we're good now but um and I disguised a lot of the information in that so if you think you know who it is it's probably about you instead but what I what I did in that moment is I was like man I, I never want to get so busy with the tasks of um what I'm doing that I forget about the people and so Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. is when my work week starts for church that's when I start to go okay Tuesday 9 a.m. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to give God my best this week. I'm going to do everything to, um, to, to see what God is going to do on a Sunday um, and a Friday night. And, and so I, like Tuesday morning 9 a.m. is when like that all starts for me. Tuesday morning 9 a.m. I have this um, notification that goes off on my phone that says, is there anybody that you need to contact? 
because before I give God my best, I want to make sure that I'm actually going, like scanning over my week or over the last few weeks and seeing if there's anyone that I've, that, that, that is, I've missed, seeing if there's anyone that, man, like we used to chat, but um, the relationship's not there. And so I want to encourage you, if you're someone who gets so caught up in the busyness of life, find a way to like remind yourself um, because God actually views reconciliation greater than devotion. So number one, we have a message of reconciliation. And number two, reconciliation is greater than devotion. Um, so like I said, Larissa and I, um, we youth pastors here, we love that. It's awesome. Um, we love you guys. Um, you, the teenagers that come to youth here are amazing. We love working for Pastor Glenn and Pastor Phoebe. They're awesome. You guys have incredible pastors. Like we honestly do. Um, and last year, and so that, that's, that's what we do for work, is we work for, for church. And last year, um, we, we purchased a house, and um, as part of that, we had to do a ton of renovating. Um, and, uh, and so we needed a little bit of extra like cash coming in so that we could you know, have money that was just going towards renovation. And, um, and so Larissa is really talented, and she just found like, a, like 50 different things that she could do to make money. Um, and like, and I was like, I have nothing. And for a long time, I had no, what, nothing that I could do that was, you know, anyone, like anyone thought was worth paying me for. Um, and so through a series of events, I started um, buying and, and reselling um, vintage clothing. And um, vintage is a funny way of, like a nice way of saying old. Um, and so what I would do is I would go into a shop and I'd find um, find stuff that was like in good, good condition, good, good quality, and I would sell it, make a profit. They, I, I basically took a finder's fee, I guess. They didn't have to go out and look for it. Um, but after doing it for a while, I started to get involved in the communities of people that do that um, for the, like all the time, and some people that do it for a full-time job. And I realized that um, you could make more money by finding stuff that was real beat up, so it was cheaper, um, and restoring it. And so I started doing that. I would find um, nothing ripped because I'm a terrible seller. Um, terrible actually doesn't describe it. But like stuff that was really badly stained or like hats that were totally bent out of shape. Um, you know, the kind of one that you throw in the dump. And I would take it through this process of restoration. And through the process of restoration, I, I was actually able to get the money's worth that I could see when I saw it in the shop. The Bible says throughout um, the New Testament, different variations, but this, this kind of thing, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. While we were still beat up, broken, stained, like something you'd throw in the bin, on our worst day, Jesus died for our sin. And in that moment, he paid for our salvation. We believe that, that Jesus, at the moment he died on the cross, or the moment he raised, was raised from the dead, depending on your theology on that, Christ paid for our sin. For, not for our, he paid for our sin and paid for our salvation. But write down number three, restoration is the process by which Jesus gets what he paid for. See, when... He paid for our salvation when he died on the cross. 
But when we're reconciled to God in that moment of salvation, he gets what he paid for. When our body is restored through a healing miracle, Jesus gets what he paid for. When our relationships are restored, he gets what he paid for. So number one, we have a message of reconciliation. Number two, reconciliation is greater than devotion. And number three, restoration is the process by which Jesus gets what he paid for. But God is not just in the business of storing, restoring relationships. He is, but write down number four, God is in the business of restoring cities. God desperately desires that we'd be reconciled to him and, and that we would be reconciled with one another. But his mandate for reconciliation and restoration goes far beyond interpersonal relationships. In fact, the, the last command, the rallying call that Jesus left his followers with on earth was to go out and disciple nations. God is not, he, he cares about individuals, but he's, he's not just concerned with individuals. He's looking at towns, cities, and nations. He, he has the big picture. We see this right throughout scripture. God uh, leading people to restore cities. Moses led a nation to freedom. Daniel gave counsel to a wicked king. Esther braved the threat of a murderous political spirit. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls. The woman at the well shared her testimony and led the village to Jesus. And Peter preached in public and 3,000 were saved. These are stories where God uses someone to restore a city. thing though is that actually there is there's one step before that write down number five we need to get a heart for our city uh, i love the story of daniel it's probably uh it's, it's probably one of my favorite stories um in all uh, in all of scripture that that the book of daniel is so incredible and the reason that i think he's a, a, an incredible person is that Daniel was taken as a prisoner of war from Israel to Babylon. He was forced to serve King Nebuchadnezzar who had just destroyed and decimated the city that he loved. And, and then when Nebuchadnezzar finds out that he's a prophet, that he, he can, he can um, help him out with his dreams that he's been having, he gets called the chief of the magicians. He, he, he gets renamed Belshazzar, which is um, Nebuchadnezzar's God, and finds himself in a situation that if we saw someone doing that today, we would call them a heretic and would probably put them on coldwatch.co.nz, which is a hilarious read, by the way. But I love, under the reign of King Darius, we see the account of Daniel in the lion's den. This story honestly gets me. He, he's practicing his faith in a nation where, where it, 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 you know, is so foreign. And his, his freedom of religion gets taken away. He gets told, hey, you cannot pray anymore. But yet Daniel keeps praying to God. Not in public, not, not in private, not 
puts his hide under his bed. He opens his windows and he prays. And some of King Darius's advisors, man, they, they really don't like Daniel because he's getting everything right. He's the king's favorite. And so they catch him praying and they bring him before the king and the king's distraught because he loves Daniel, but he knows that he has to, he has to kill him. So he throws him into the lion, lion's den. And we know that King Darius, is, Darius loves Daniel because the Bible says that he was so distraught and beat up by this that he fasted all night long. And then he, break, he broke his fast in the morning. And he runs to Daniel. This man who he, he's just sentenced to death. And he cries out, Daniel, did the God whom you serve save you? And Daniel's response, honestly, gets me every time. This is a man who has been robbed of his right to practice his, his religion. He, he has been robbed of his right to pray to God. He's been told, hey, because, you, because you're praying, we're going to kill you. We're going to throw you in the lion's den. He had every right to be angry at King Darius, but he replies with this, O king, may you live forever. O king, may you live forever. And Daniel's someone who honestly loved an ungodly king from an ungodly nation who had just destroyed his. I remember the first time I heard a, a message on this topic, it was Chris Ballatin, and if something, if something came alive in you while I was speaking this morning, I would totally like encourage you to go listen to pretty much anything from Chris Ballatin. And he was talking about this, he was talking from the story and about Daniel, who was a prophet prophesying to a king, which is quite a glorious way to restore a city. Like, it's a pretty cool way to do it. And I was walking home from church, listening to this message, and my response, I, I was responding to it, and God was really speaking to me, and my response was, I walked past a broken glass bottle, and felt like I, I just, like, I couldn't just leave it there. I, I, had to, I had to pick it up. Because when, you, when you're looking with the eyes of restoration, where when, when you have a heart for a city, a town, a nation, you don't care whether you're picking up rubbish or prophesying to the king. You just want to play your part. If you're like Moses and you can lead, then lead. If you're like Daniel and you can give prophetic counsel, do that. Or if you're like me, pick up some rubbish and put it in the bin and do it with an attitude of restoration. See, the Bible teaches, we, we love this, that we are a body. And we love to talk about this and bring it out as a, it's one of the Christian faiths. We're the body of Christ. But that means for us to get stuff done, we all have to do our part. We all have to function in different ways. And in the same way to restore this town, we're going to need people who influence leaders. We need people who are going to preach from the street. We're going to need people praying for the sick. We're going to need people sharing their testimony in the supermarket, at preschool, um, or at, at, at their office, um, at work. And we're going to need people picking up rubbish. 
cleaning ditches, painting walls and whatever else people do. And my prayer today for you is that one of three things would happen. If you are here and you do not know God, my prayer is that you would be reconciled with Him today. I tell you what, today would be a great day to be reconciled to God. Today would be a great day to say yes to Jesus. Today would be a great day to say, yes, I want to follow you with all my life. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I know that there are some things that I need, I need to reconcile with. My prayer is that you would be filled with the faith to go and do that. That actually you would uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give you guidance. And my prayer for every single person is that you would ask Jesus to give you a heart for Wurundjeri, for Woody, for wherever you live, if you live in Christchurch or Christchurch. That you would ask him to give you a heart for our nation. That you would ask, ask Jesus to give you a heart for Mayor Gordon our Prime Minister, that you would ask Jesus to give you a heart for our city. So would you stand with me this morning? Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media. 